This message comes from NPR sponsor Total Wine and More. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find at Total Wine and More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Hey, short waivers. Happy summer. It's Emily Kwong here. Oh, I love the summertime. There's just something about the food this time of year, the seasonal produce, the farmer's markets, that bounty of fresh fruits and vegetables, the sweet corn, the spicy wings. Our taste buds do the most this time of year, which is why our team has decided to bring you a medley of episodes celebrating the science of taste. It's a series we began earlier this year called Taste Buddies, and this week will be a mix of some of our favorites, like today's episode on sour and a whole bunch of new episodes on sugar on spice, and even what's beyond our classic tastes. It's going to be so refreshing. Kick back with some tart lemonade and enjoy. You're listening to Shortwave from NPR. So we're grabbing tea. Bon appétit, Shortwave. Co-host Aaron Scott here. Some white wine vinegar from pantry. Together with science writer Katie Wu, we are getting culinary, shortwave style. I've got this lovely Amazon package full of uh, very sour candy. We're kicking off a new series we're calling Taste Buddies. We're often taught that there are five basic tastes, sweet, salty, sour, bitter, and umami. So in the coming weeks, we're going to delve into the science behind some of those. Plus, some other tastes that don't normally make the cut. I mean, taste is both super simple and super complicated. It is one of our five sort of classic senses. And when we taste things, we are basically perceiving uh, the chemicals in our food. Those are picked up by little cells in our mouths, and they signal to our brain. And our brain says, hey, I just tasted something. Kitty's a staff writer at The Atlantic. And she wrote an article that inspired this whole series called The Paradox of Sour. Subtitle, it's a weird sense to need. What got you on the kick then of pursuing these questions? Why quest after sour? So <laughs> there is kind of the boring answer and maybe the more interesting answer. I mean, I have always really been into food and tasting things. I am personally a sour nut. Um, you know, when I feel a yen for sour, I will literally suck on a lemon. Wow. And that is like an idiom for punishment, but I think it's awesome. Um, either that or I'm some kind of masochist. I love that. And particularly the sucking on a lemon bit, because we have a little activity for you. And, uh, we sent you a mystery package and we asked you to gather a couple of items. Yes. So my smorgasbord of sour, I have two cut halves of a very cold lemon, a tub of plain non-fat yogurt. So this is not sweetened. Feels important to specify. <laughs> I have uh, some white wine vinegar and some toxic waste, uh, hazardously sour candy. Now, it's a little early to give the whole taste test away, but let's just say it involves knocking back some vinegar. Cheers. Cheers. Whew. Yeah, that's that's tart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That, I'm starting to get the sour face. Like, that is definitely pickling my tongue <laughs> a little bit. Mm-hmm. Katie's our perfect partner for this dive into taste because much like us over at Shortwave, she's not just fun and games. She's also about the science. Honestly, part of this was just inspired by a paper I stumbled across. Um, I think the title was, you know, The Evolution of Sour Taste. And I saw that and I thought, 
wait a second, if this paper is only just coming out, that means we didn't have a good answer to this before. How could that possibly be? So today on the show, we explore the mystery of sour. Where did it come from? Why do we have it? And really, what's the point of it? I'm Aaron Scott, and this is Shortwave, the daily science sourcast from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, one of the largest recipients of NIH funding. Dana-Farber scientists played a substantial role in developing more than half the cancer drugs approved by the FDA in the last five years, data through 2022. They've made one advanced cancer discovery after another for over 75 years. Dana-Farber Cancer Institute is changing lives everywhere. More at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. So, Katie... I mostly think of all the tastes as just going hand in hand. You know, everybody has all of them, every creature, but they don't actually. Can you kind of take us through this evolutionary story of taste that first got you interested in this? Oh my gosh. So who can taste what is one of those things that absolutely blows my mind. Uh, You know, humans have... Oh, I guess you could say five classical tastes, uh, the ones you named at the top of the episode. But Mm -hmm. actually, that's kind of a a misnomer that we have five tastes. Uh, You know, arguably, like we have maybe more than a dozen. Some researchers say it's important to talk about the fact that we can taste like calcium or, you know, what foods are are hearty or even, you know, metallic. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are just so many ways to taste food that go way beyond the top five. But even within the top five, I think it's so cool that not all animal species have those five in their taste holster. Some of my favorite examples is some carnivores. They've lost the ability to taste sweet. Why do they need it? All they need to taste is, you know, nice, tasty flesh. <laughs> um, there's not a ton of sugar in there for them to latch onto. Uh, giant pandas that, you know, eat pretty much only bamboo, they can no longer taste umami or savoriness. And there are certain animals that can barely taste anything, which, I don't know, I don't think I would want to live that life, man. Yeah, that that sounds like a taste tragedy. But sour It seems to have stuck around, right? And from what you write, it also seems to be the first taste that evolved. So I have to admit, it seems a little weird to me that it's everywhere, and yet it also is the one that we know the least about. Right. Sour is just totally weird. Like the fact that it is in everyone would seem to indicate, okay, no one has lost this taste that we're aware of. It must serve some purpose. Like maybe it's like bitter and we really need to be tuned into let's definitely not eat sour food. Or maybe it's like sweet or umami. Like we definitely need a ton of the stuff that's in sour food. It's going to keep us healthy. It's going to keep us alive. But it's kind of neither. It's kind of both. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, as one researcher put it to me, you know, No one really gets this. What is the point of this weirdly ubiquitous taste? Um, Is it really just about tasting food in our mouths? Or is there some weird mystery that a ton of sour foods have in common that we haven't totally uncovered yet? A set of questions we tried to answer through an extremely scientific taste test. So we're starting with yogurt. This is maybe the least sour of our, our sour delights. 
Yes. Uh, okay. So I am opening the yogurt and this is a, a fresh tub. I'm opening a fresh tub of yogurt for y'all. Oh my God. I feel um, so special. <laughs> feel so special. Pretty tasty. I mean, I feel like this is a good gateway sour for us to have started with. <laughs> gateway sour. I like that. So let's maybe wade a little into deeper sour waters. We're doing white wine vinegar next. Yeah. Let's do the vinegar next. Do I like chug it or like, I, I, I don't think I want to drink straight from the bottle. I feel like that's too much. I'm going to just sip. I'm going to sip it, oh, man. take it right from the bottle. Okay. Well, I got, I brought the big spoon for the vinegar. Um, okay. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Whew. Yeah. That's, that's tart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it lingers. True. So yeah. should we do lemon next? And then. I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. Lemon next. Yep. All right. All right three, two, one. This is somehow better for me than the vinegar. Yeah. It's interesting. I actually am still having, like, my throat now is burning a little bit. So, like, I can feel it kind of tickling my tonsils. Um, okay. So, this last one is the wild card that we, we shipped to you. I like how this is uh, shaped like a toxic waste drum. Oh, man. And there's even, like, a little scale on here that tells you how much of a sour wuss you are, depending on the amount of time that you can keep this in your mouth. All right. Okay. Ready? Oh, wow. That is a salivary response. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty impressed by the sourness on this. Like, it, maybe it's just because it's lingering in our mouth, but mm -hmm. that is sour. Yep. Also, lots of saliva on this end. Um, I don't know. Having... Having two of these bad boys in my mouth is an interesting experience, like jostling for space. I have to spit that out. I'm trying to like distribute them equally so that it's not just one part of my mouth salivating constantly, but. Yeah, that's, that's one of the other things that seems to happen with sour. It causes the mouth to salivate, right? Yeah. And I mean, this is very cool. I mean, imagine what sour is, right? Like. Sour foods taste sour because they've got some kind of acid in them. Um, you know, that's what's going to really trip those sour sensitive cells in the mouth. Saliva kind of floods your mouth when you taste sour because it's trying to sort of neutralize or buffer all the acid that is hitting your taste buds all at once. Right. And, and that's the weird thing, right? Because like too much acid is bad. I mean, I can feel my throat burning and only guess what it's going to do to our stomachs. You think in terms of its evolutionary purpose, like sour should taste bad to us. It should be gross, like too much bitter or something. And yet you and I, we love it. Why do scientists think that is? Yeah. So broadly speaking, like there are definitely people out there, right, who don't love sour in the way that you and I do. And I think their lives are very sad, but also no judgment like you do you. Um, but I, th this is actually true of a lot of primate species that are closely related to us. We think sour is awesome. And there could be a really interesting reason for this. So about 60 to 70 million years back in our family tree, we lost the ability to produce vitamin C ourselves, whereas most other mammals can do this. Hmm. Uh, they don't need to get it in their diet. They're totally fine. The nice thing is a lot of sour foods happen to have vitamin C, and that's one idea. Maybe we love sour food to keep ourselves flush with vitamin C. So I want to step a little bit further back in the evolutionary timeline here, because 
if sour is maybe the taste that was the first one to evolve, and it's scientists think it at least has been around as long as vertebrates have been around, it manifests completely differently in fish. Would you talk a little bit about the weirdness and the the kind of majesty that is how fish taste sour, or I should say where fish taste sour, and what that does for their happy little fish lives? <laughs> oh, man, the fish story is so weird. And I, I, you know, I think I should definitely qualify at this point. The further back in time we go, I think the shakier things get. You know, think of how many fish are out there, how many species. Uh, we have definitely not sampled them all. We have definitely not been able to ask all of them, hey, do you like sour food? They usually don't answer, and that makes things way more complicated. <laughs> um, and also, fish are just so different. Like, they live in this watery world. Um, they're surrounded by chemicals all the time, just brushing up against them in ways that we don't quite experience living in, you know, the fluid that is air, generally. But that also goes hand in hand with the bizarre way that they taste. And this almost gets to this weird question of like, what is taste? Is sensing any chemical in your environment kind of taste? Fish kind of make a, an ideal case for this or, or even a case against it because they don't just have taste buds in their mouths. They have taste buds all over their bodies, like even on their fins and stuff. They are like giant tongues with scales all over them. And this is just mind-blowing to me. I can't imagine what it would be like to be a fish and swim through gross water. I would not enjoy that. When you put it that way, yes, it sounds really disgusting. I mean, you you talk in the article about how it allows them to, to sense kind of the CO2 levels and maybe avoid water that's too acidic. But the thought hadn't occurred to me that that means you're also constantly tasting things all across your body. <laughs> right. You pointed out the potential benefit here. Like having those chemical receptors means that they can respond really quickly to what's in their environment, Ooh. swim away from it, swim toward it. And this is possibly maybe, maybe where sour might have started to come from. Because maybe it makes sense that the ability to just sense acid stuck around in the body and it just happened to be present in the mouth as well. Um, maybe especially because that's like kind of near the gills. That's what's helping the fish breathe and just regulate other aspects of their body. And maybe that just stuck around when animals moved onto land and then just started being repurposed for other things, even after we lost the taste buds all over our bodies. So in thinking of this taste that we totally take for granted, there's something so amazing about considering how important a role that actually might be playing in helping us navigate this complex world we live in. Has pursuing this research and really diving into this taste, has it shifted the way you eat every day? Has it shifted the way you think about food? Yeah, totally. I think this happens every single time I write some sort of food-related story. Um, and honestly, this is one of the best parts of being a science journalist, you know, like taking something mundane and everyday and just kind of blowing it wide open with science. I suddenly walk past something I would have walked past any other day and not even noticed, and I end up thinking about it for minutes, hours, days. Katie Wu, it has been a total pleasure talking with you and uh, chasing this taste. Same to you. I am always delighted to talk about anything that brings us into the realm of sour food. Katie Wu is a staff writer at The Atlantic. 
Today's episode was produced by Rebecca Ramirez, edited by Stephanie O'Neill, and fact-checked by Catherine Seifer. Josh Newell was the audio engineer. Giselle Grayson is our senior supervising editor. Neil Carruth is our senior director of on-demand news programming. And Anya Grunman is our senior vice president of programming. I'm Aaron Scott. Thank you for listening to Shortwave, the daily science podcast from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, American Express Business. Take your business further with the Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. It's packed with enhanced benefits to help unlock more business value. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Listen to The Last Ride, the podcast investigating the disappearances of two men last seen with the same Florida sheriff's deputy. Join us for a new episode, a conversation with Marcia Williams before the 20th anniversary of her son's disappearance. It's okay for you to tell my story. If you don't know who you may be talking to, that could put their finger right there. Listen to all nine episodes of The Last Ride, part of the NPR Network, wherever you get your podcasts.